Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Direct-to-Video Connoisseur. Uh, I apologize for that. I realized I started the theme song without going live. I was like, why am I not hearing the theme song through uh, the Mixler uh, browser or window? Because I hadn't gone live. But, you know, we're live now. Um, Today is our Halloween episode, so uh, I want to welcome, as always, Jamie. Welcome to the show. Hello, and happy Halloween, everyone. That's right. Happy Halloween. And we have a special guest uh, this evening we have Alex Edwards of the Skeleton Crew podcast. So welcome to you as well, Alex. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Excellent. Now, Jamie, you do Skeleton Crew as well. Is that right? Were you guest yeah. on? Yeah. No, I. Yeah, that's that. Alex is my co-host, and yeah, we we uh, just we're, tomorrow we're dropping our 100th episode. Whoa. Tomorrow, Friday, Friday on Halloween, uh, we're dropping our 100th episode. Yep. Now, what do you have planned for the big one double O? Uh, well, it's a lot of um, I don't know. It's a lot of fun stuff. A lot of clips from the previous 99 episodes, or, or however many, and um, us just reflecting back on 100 because it's also uh, it's the end. We said we were going to end at 100, so. Oh, so this is it. You know. The skeleton crew is done after this, or. Yep, pretty much. Yeah, it's the uh, you know the big wrap up. Uh, we went a hundred, went strong for a while, and this month was uh, you know uh, tough on all of us. We went really hard this time, and you know big grand finale. It's going to be a gigantic show. Uh, yeah, you know we always said we're going to do a hundred, and uh, you know see what's going to happen from there. So you know this is it. So. <laughs> mm, wow, I didn't. So so that's it. So when did the, when did the podcast start? When was the first episode? Uh, April 2, 2012. So, so two and a half years, a two and a half year run. Yep. yep. Long run. Uh, a lot of changes throughout. Uh, when Jamie hopped on, the show got a lot better. She came in in 2013, January, and the show just, you know, went to another level and everything just kept snowballing. Got a lot more uh, people listening and had a lot more fun. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, the only reason we would leave is just very, very tough and time-consuming to um, to do all the production and behind-the-scenes preparation and things like that. It's it's just a lot goes into it. The air stuff is a little bit tedious, so it's just uh, it's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Now I can I can attest to uh, what it means to have Jamie added to a show. How, how well that adds <laughs> because I, the same thing for me with the direct to video connoisseur podcast. Once Jamie uh, agreed to be my my co-host full time, it has been you know we haven't looked back since. We've had great shows ever since too. So I could totally attest to uh, how that would change the uh, the um, the quality of a show. Yep. 
Aw, you can't see it, but I'm blushing right now. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I mean. You can hear it. You can hear the big <laughs> grin on my face. That's yeah. <laughs> sweet of you. Yeah, so now, now, what are, now are, what are your plans, both of you? Uh, you have other, I know, Jamie, you have plenty of other podcasts that you do. How about you, Alex? Do you have other other shows that you do? Uh, just one. I a different horror podcast uh, I joined. I don't know exactly when. Remember, Jamie, it was like sometime in the summer. Uh, Their season two. The, I don't remember when the official yeah. beginning was. Maybe August? Or was it before that? It seems like maybe June, July... Oh, oh, I know. It was supposed to be July 4th, but it was like five days before that is when I joined. And the reason I, I was like, I was like, well, you got to be kidding me. Why wasn't it July 4th? Is because the first movie we reviewed was uh, Shining. So I said, that picture at the end when it says July 4th and that party that they're all at, how could we not release this on July 4th just for, you know, uh, connection purposes? And so that means definitely it was like five days before July 4th. So. I've been there since then, um, and I'll probably hang for the whole season until the next uh, June, whatever. Point. Oh, and, and it's that's called been Banana Laser. No, <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yeah, and the Banana Laser was originally Dave and Matt, and they're two really great guys who have both been on Skeleton Crew a lot. And um, so when... I found out that Alex was going to be joining them. It really seemed like a perfect fit because he's just slid right on in there with those guys, and um, they do a terrific show. That sounds great. That sounds awesome. Now, I know we have some people listening in the audience. Um, I'm noticing on my feed that the mic is going when, when you two are speaking. Can anybody say, is there an echo? Are you guys getting an echo out there? Just want to make sure. I know I can never tell. Like, I, it... it Usually I don't see too much movement, but it's possible that I've just got a fan going or something like that that's causing it, but it just seemed like... I don't, I'm not seeing any, any indication, so it looks like we're okay. I just wanted to make sure. Well, that's cool, though. I think that's cool. Ending on, on 100. Now, I don't know. Jamie and I, we have a long ways to go with uh, 100 here for the Direct-to-Video Cotasaur podcast. So uh, Somebody <laughs> said, did the sound die? All right, can you hear? Brian, can you hear us? He said, did the sound die? What's going on here? Oh, uh, all right, Jamie, can you try speaking for me, Jamie or Alex? I can try. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't do that very much, so I don't know if I'll be good at it. <laughs> no, you're good. Okay. Well, it, all right. So Brian said that the sound dies. So are we not on the air, Brian? Okay, and we're back. All right. So something happened there. All right, we'll see what happens. All right. The beauty well, of live radio. Yes, the beauty of live on Mixler. And I had a feeling, you know, Something wasn't right about Mixler tonight when I got on it. You know, maybe it's you know maybe it, it is this this apartment is an old apartment. Um, it's possible that um, uh, you know Mr. Pritchard is lurking somewhere, <laughs> telling me that there are ghosts here that are. Uh, <laughs> There's you know, nothing you can do about it. That's right. I I should maybe warn Jen not to open any any chests or anything like that because she might find um, some frozen or thawing Neanderthal heads. Somewhere, <laughs> some some ice men dying. So we we won't do that. Yeah, my personal theory is that it's a haint. It's a, yes, right. it, what the the head? <laughs> no, the, the the our show is hainted. Our, it's hainted. <laughs> that could be. That could be. Well, That's southern. Hainted is southern. <laughs> yeah. Hainted. 
Hainted. Hainted. A hainted house. Well, today's film is House on Haunted Hill. And um, now, of course, the thing with this movie is it was remade, what, in the early 2000s, kind of in that, that, that I don't know, what, what, what was that movement that we could call it, that sort of that movement that happened there in the mid-2000s where it was like, uh, or the early 2000s where they, after Scream and all that, where they just wanted to make movies with kids in situations and they were remaking old horror movies. Did I say House on Haunted? Oh, House on Haunted Hill. Okay, but um, you know what I mean. It was kind of like the remake was in that mold, and they, you know, I think they did House of Wax. They did a few around that time, um, but we're talking about the original here tonight because I just, um, you know, why talk about that new one? That's just a mess. But uh, Jeffrey Rush was good. He was. I was telling yeah. Jen about that. Yeah. So at least we had Jeffrey Rush. Tay Diggs wasn't. No, I was just saying that uh, I actually used to watch the remake quite a few times. Uh, in 1999, when, when I think it came out, I was 19. And at that time, I wasn't really horror savvy with all what the good stuff is. And I, I was just watching whatever was around and whatever came out at the time. So um, to me, horror was like the faculty, disturbing behavior, uh, the remake, House of Haunted Hill. And I, I wouldn't give horror much thought at the time. And so I've watched this uh, quite a few times. But I noticed that when I did get into horror um, in 2000, uh, like 2001, um, I never really revisited this movie, and I so it's been like 13 years, I guess, since I saw the remake of House on Haunted Hill. But uh, so I wouldn't even know how it would sit with me these days. But back then, it was okay. How about you, Jamie? What were your thoughts on either of the two, the the original or the new one? Did you see the new one? Oh yeah, I saw it, and um, that's pretty much what I remember taking away from it was Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. You know, Jeffrey Rush. Rush was a good example of someone who could uh, pull off a part that was originally played by Vincent Price. I was happy with that. I love him as an actor in anything. So I was really happy with his performance. But, you know, there were three remakes that came out right around that time. Um, It was this one and 13 Ghosts and The Haunting. And I don't really care for any of them. Um, Actually, the, the one I've watched most recently was The Haunting. And that one starts out pretty strong but then all the cgi starts creeping in and it's really bad and it just sort of ruins the whole thing uh i think it just completely takes away from the atmosphere so i'm not really i wasn't really into all of those it's probably been about that long since i've seen the remake of this one as well as far as the original that's just a damn good movie i love it i mean it's vincent price i really can't complain about anything that vincent price does i love him um, I just recently watched his induction into the Horror Hall of Fame from 1990. Uh, there was um, a whole like award show that was hosted by Robert England, and they inducted The Exorcist and uh, Forey Ackerman and Vincent Price and all these, you know, cl- like Alien and all the, the classics. And um, when Vincent Price was giving his acceptance speech, I just bawled, you know, because one, mainly because he's not with us anymore. But then also because he he got it, like he really understood what horror was and how important it was, and the even though at that point he wasn't active really, you know his his heyday had been generations before. He still was able to connect with the you know, present day horror and the way it was at the time, and I just thought that was that spoke volumes about who he was because he was completely dedicated to the genre. So anyway, um, so films like this, 
uh, the one we're about to talk about. Um, I love them for that reason because they're steeped in it, and uh, that was a you know really important time. Yeah, I mean, I watched this with Jen last night, and we were both you know like there's a part of us that was kind of like you know we we were we were poking fun at it, we were making jokes about things because you know what what you know why not? But then there, of course there's that other part of it where you just you know, you're, you know, of course, like you said, you know, like, like Jen made a point that sometimes the horror movies back then were scarier than horror movies today, and they were a little more gruesome in some ways. Um, and this, I think, showed it in some ways, especially compared to that remake. But, um, you know, that this movie, Vincent Price, of course, sells it as the scary guy. But there's just so much going on in this film that uh, is just perfect scary. Oh, Brian Simmons is giving us a question mark. Does that mean he can't hear us? Or does that mean we're not making any sense? (laughs) Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) Silent again? Oh, don't say silent again. We're speaking. Can you hear us? What is happening? That is so bizarre. It's Alex's fault. I I wonder if if what happened was maybe, (laughs) maybe I needed to be the one to initiate the Skype call. I don't know. But you did. No, it called, I think, Al, did Alex call? I don't know how that worked. I called your group, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that does it. I don't, uh, you know. Want me to hang up and you call me back? No, he said we're back. We're back. So maybe okay. we're just going to be in and out tonight. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so maybe Mixler's just being a dick. It might just be that <laughs> Mixler's having trouble. Yeah, and we'll find out. Okay, we can hear you now. Perfect. Thank you, Brian. Brian, you are our ears on the ground tonight. You are, our, <laughs> you know. He's like Chopper Dave. Exactly. Chopper Dave, give us the, the lowdown on what's going on here. So if you can't hear us, yeah, we're going to need that, that input. But, um, um, but you know, there's, there's parts of this movie that, like, yeah, like, you know, the, um, you know, the whole thing between Vincent Price and his wife is just very creepy. Um, the th- I love their exchanges. Though. Yeah. They have, I, <laughs> while we were watching this, I turned to Brian. I'm like, you know. I hope one day our relationship can be that strong. And he's like, what, you want us to try to poison each other? <laughs> like, obviously, I was kidding. Yes. But uh, it's just the the way that they just throw barbs at each other the entire time oh. uh, was it just it's humorous. Uh, but it's just like when you have Vincent Price in that role and he's basically, you know, he's pouring wine and she's like, I haven't poisoned it. <laughs> and yes. and uh uh, and he's just like, oh, well, considering you've already tried to do that, basically she tried to poison him with arsenic uh, earlier. And, I mean, it's just they have this really tension-filled relationship, field-filled relationship, and uh, I it added so much to their characters. I I just enjoy watching the two of them. Yeah, you know, I I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I What was it, arsenic on the rocks? I, I love that line yes. from the yes. film. Yes. <laughs> Alex, how about you? What were your thoughts on on this one, especially um, you know, in light of having started with the original or the new the remake uh, before it? I'm not really sure if I started with the remake before. I might have seen this, you know, just growing up. Um, but no, to me, this was always uh, a great movie. I mean, since day one, because I'm really into haunted houses, and I feel like I never really get a movie that is uh fulfilling that way like it's really few and far between to ever see a haunted house movie that's uh done well and <clears throat> the only two that really stick out to me are this and the movie house from 1986 like to me those are what i imagine when i think of a haunted house movie so um this one's kind of funny though because 
it seems like a genuine haunted house, but then it's sort of uh, revealed to be disingenuine at the end, and it's kind of weird because there are some things that just don't add up, even when you try to like figure out, wait, was this really a haunted thing, or was this real, or if these guys were doing this, how did that even happen? How was she hovering out the window? Like I don't even understand like a lot of stuff that's going on in the movie. But uh, yeah, I mean, to me, this was always like something to definitely own, uh, something to watch on a at least bi yearly basis. Always a favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah. I this is one of those movies that I can never remember uh, when it. By the time we get to the end, I can never remember. I'm going back and forth the whole time while I'm watching it. Going, well, does it end up being real? Does it end up being fake? Does it end up being? I mean, I'm and I can never remember because it's approached with, you know, in the very beginning, you get the talking head, you know, talking about, um, and then of course it rounds out at the end, you know, with you know talking about how many people have been murdered there and all the ghosts that are there, and um, uh, I love that ominous beginning with the talking head. But it's it's every time I watch it, I have to I have to really watch it because I can never quite remember. But I like that there are only a handful of movies that do that. But I love that I can't remember because it's like watching it for the first time every time. Yeah, you know that's for me. I haven't seen this in years. Um, I don't remember when I saw it. So watching it with Jen, it, a lot of it was new for me again as well. Certain parts where I remembered, and then it's kind of like uh, when when you get to the um, when we saw the acid when he, they first open up the, the thing and show that it's acid. What did they drop in there? Was that a, a horseshoe crab or something? I don't know what that was that went in the in the into the, the vat. But um you know Where would they get just a random horseshoe crab? No, they got a rat. Didn't they throw a rat in there? Yeah. <laughs> it was in a rat mouse trap and they lifted it and yeah. undid the trap. <laughs> That's what Jen was saying. Horseshoe crab? What the hell? <laughs> Jen was saying it was like a rat. I was like, look like a horseshoe crab. They just kind of found it and threw it in there. It's like, grab the horseshoe crab. Here's a question. Why do they still have a pit of acid in this house? <laughs> like, don't you think at some point somebody would have gotten rid of that? Well, no, because Vincent Price loaded it up, right? Or Oh, well, did he load it I fresh? Guess. Yeah, but who left the blood on the ceiling that was still wet? No, was and that the woman who keeps <laughs> who keeps having it drip on her? And I'm like, you know what? And she's like, she's constantly her. throughout the movie, it's dripping on her hand. And I'm like, you might want to move. You know, <laughs> just like when you see, and her reaction every time is so classic because she doesn't like, she doesn't scream, she doesn't pull her hand back. She just looks down and she's like, oh, look at that. You know, I think if I was standing somewhere and just some random drops of blood started hitting my hand, I'd be a little bit alarmed. Well, you know? that leads me to believe that. On set, it was probably like uh, Hershey's chocolate syrup or something like that, and so she wasn't doing a good job of faking that it was blood. She was like, hmm, what was this chocolate syrup? She was just trying not to lick it, I guess. It, w it was more of a nuisance than anything, and so she <laughs> was annoyed. But, um, yeah, I mean, the moment I saw the vat of acid, I was like, oh, skeleton scene. I can't wait for that scene, you know? And uh, and so, of course, then I, I remembered, you know, I started remembering things as it went, but... um. You know, I, I still couldn't remember because the the new movie, the new House on Haunted Hill, uses real ghosts. Or I'm not saying real ghosts, but the ghosts are actually a part of the story as opposed to uh, in this film where um, it's all a big setup. And and I know what you mean about like certain aspects of the go of the the fake ghosts. Like again, like how did she hover out there? Um, you know. How do they do the thing with the rope? Like, how did any of that stuff work if it was all made up? Um, yeah, that rope thing, I, that gets me every time. Because it's, I, I mean, how would you pull that off? Right. I like, still don't know how you would pull that off. 
<clears throat> I don't understand that at all. And I don't understand how after she was out the window hovering in what seemed to be just the air out of the window, um, <clears throat> the, the girl runs right out of her door, right down the stairs, and she's already hanging from the ceiling again. How is that even possible? See, I don't know. Unless they were using like a hologram. But they did, did did they have holograms back then? Was that a thing? I don't know. They had them in Scooby-Doo. A, I don't hologram, know they... <laughs> a hologram with a, a, a rope with a mind of its own and a girl who's willing to stand there while it wraps around her legs. And can I tell you, too, that Carolyn Craig has an amazing set of lungs on her in this film. She is screaming through the whole thing. And I even <laughs> post about it on Facebook. She screams through the whole thing, and I love it. She's got a fantastic scream. Well, she's, I have bad news had... for you, Jamie. What? That scream is just recycled because that, that's the first scream you hear in the very beginning. It's the same exact sound and pitch and everything. And then she does it again for, the I guess, the window or whatever. And then she does it again uh, some other time, I think, I think when the piano's playing or something like that. And then there's, like, the scene where the hand is reaching around yeah. the wall at her and she belts it out again. All right, well, well yeah. she had she had an amazing scream then. Yeah, you know, right. She, one. You know, one. One really awesome scream. <laughs> it was so good they had to use it numerous times. But my favorite part about the whole movie is her reaction to everything. Because, I mean, she just is – she kind of reminds me of, uh, like, in Temple of Doom when – it's going to seem like it's going nowhere, but in, in Temple of Doom and the, the, when they're in the jungle and Indy and Short Round are playing cards and they're completely ignoring what's going on around them. And then you've got um, the woman just running back and forth, screaming, you know, just constantly, you know, there's a, a snake on her. She's screaming about that. There's a, some kind of other wildlife. She's screaming about that. And that's what it reminds me of. Cause every time you turn around, Carolyn Craig is just screaming about something and she's <laughs> getting terrified and it's hilarious well jen pointed out though jen made a really good point that um while carolyn craig is screaming about everything uh, one thing she didn't scream about was vincent price demonstrating that the guns were loaded and she just he just fires the you know the, the gun blow uh you know destroys a vase and there wasn't a peep including from carolyn craig and jen's like huh that's funny that she's screaming about everything else but she's okay with the gun just being fired uh, at random like that, so <laughs> that was uh, something that I, you know, I didn't notice um, it right away. But when she made the joke, I was like, yeah, "That's a good point." You know, that's kind of a a tough one. And the other thing I love about her character is we've got Lance Schroeder, who um, Jen corrected me on my '80s TV or you know my TV trivia. I mistakenly said Schroeder was the handyman on One Day at a Time, but actually Schroeder plays the piano on. Uh, uh, Peanuts and Schneider is the the handyman. You I want. Yeah, I was like, all I had. She is correct. Oh, I had a whole set of one day at a time jokes lined up, and I couldn't use a single one of them with Lance Schroeder. But um, <laughs> I was I was disappointed. I was able to use a lot of uh, you know slick uh, pilot jokes and a lot of uh, creepy uh, sexual harassment jokes on him because uh, he does a great job of like trying to pin uh, Carolyn Craig down there in the basement. And um, for his troubles, he gets treated like Fred from Scooby-Doo. He just kind of gets tossed into a room, uh, gets hit on the head. And, uh, you know, I, I, you were talking about Scooby-Doo. That seemed like a Scooby-Doo-esque thing to have the door shut like that, you know. Um, I don't know. Is that, didn't that seem kind of Scooby-Doo-ish? Oh, yeah. And then when they find him, he's like, I must have bumped my head. And it's like, on what? You couldn't bump your head in here unless you ran straight into the wall, and you didn't do that, did you? <laughs> 
That's great. And if you recognize that guy, he is he was from the Big Valley. As well, I mean, he had a, he did a lot of other TV stuff too, but that was like his big. He was one of the brothers on the Big Valley. If you're at all familiar with that western show, I was trying to think what I saw Lance Schroeder because I think he did a, a movie too that MST3K panned, and I can't remember which one it was, but he he looks very familiar. You know, he's a definite late '50s, early '60s that guy. Oh yeah, and he's you know he's a very manly looking and very you know very classically handsome. You know, he sticks out. Yeah, he's very, he's, oh, he's just, yeah. That's the one thing that nowadays that role would be played by, I'm not going to say by, my first instinct was to say Scott Walker would play that role, and I don't want to say that now because he's out no longer with us. But, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been that kind of a guy that would have played that role, and he would have just annoyed the hell out of us. But, you know, you can have fun with a Lance Schroeder now, I think. You know, I, I think in the 50s, one of the things I think that helps a movie like that today is that, we can get a kick out of a Lance Schroeder the way that we can't get a kick out of, you know, name it for the, the main character, Freddie Prince Jr., whoever played those roles back then. Um, it just works so much better now to have a Lance in that part. Lance. <laughs> well, what about then the there's... Big scene? Okay. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, the big scene in the basement, I mean, him bumping his head, that's like, okay, but all of a sudden you have this, like, lady just standing there with these white shiny silver eyes and crazy hair in her hands like like she's gonna like attack you and just staring like a statue and this girl screaming in her face and then just <laughs> glides away and uh then we're we're to believe later on that oh they're just the caretakers and her name is jonah slides like are you kidding me like, <laughs> is that some kind of joke <laughs> they're like oh that's why she slides around that's her name jonah slides that, and she so. was yeah she was clearly on a track i mean right. this, it's like you know she's what kind of caretaker is that but that i love the makeup on that that is a that is a really horrifying moment i think when when you first come face to face with that woman and she's just like a basically like a witch just saying they're just like you know and carolyn craig just screaming 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 and uh, as usual and then um they're like well she just she kind of floated like no it's more like gliding or like sliding Mm. i mean it was (laughs) she just like it was like a at an amusement park you know like a um right yeah like a fun house that you go yes yes or airport maybe (laughs) She was on the moving sidewalk. And didn't it say that she's blind? Like, how would she even know to glide through the doors and go up the stair? Like, how does she even do that if she's blind? Maybe she's really one of those really awesome blind people. (laughs) I don't know. She's creepy. It's just crazy. Yeah. But did you guys notice that, you know, the setup of this movie, it, it moves at such a good pace and so much goes on that... By the, like when the caretakers leave, and this whole thing starts, you're already halfway through the movie. Like that's the midway point. I know. What is it? A 69 minute runtime, or no, 70 something like that. 74. Which mm-hmm. um, Jamie knows. Uh, I am a stickler for runtimes. Uh, anything over 88 minutes for me is like 90 minutes. It's it's pushing it. So this movie, I was like, ooh, I'm you know, I hit the 15 minute mark, and I've only got an hour left. Um, yeah, so I yeah, noticed that too. He feels like he's putting in overtime if he if it goes over ninety minutes, and it <laughs> it's like. And every time I suggest a movie, I end up suggesting something that's like two hours long, and then I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, so, sometimes they're good, but sometimes they're 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 you know the shooter, and we're just like, oh, what are we doing with this extra, you know, 
I mean, the shooter probably should have been 74 minutes as well. Um, but yeah, so sometimes two hours works. You know, sometimes three hours works. But man, if you can put it all together for me in 74 minutes, I am, you know, I'm forever in your debt. I, you know, you, you did a great thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, the thing this I, one does, it moves it. It's such a clip that it's over before you realize it, it has even gotten going. I mean, I mean, pretty much just, I'm interested from the very moment that we begin, you know, um, it's just even watching the cars ride in and getting to meet the characters we get the little introduction to each of the characters as they're coming in you know and then it just it just hits the ground running and there's stuff around every corner i never feel bored even for a second oh my god i just want to say quickly about the introductions jen had a great joke about that where um you know we live in delaware county pennsylvania the the ladies in the area they're very gossipy they're very you know like judgmental and um the way um vincent price in, uh, introduced the woman who has the gambling problem you know she's oh she's she loses a lot of money gambling and so jen just kind of said it exactly like oh she's a gambler she's you know she had she had a huge settlement but she's a gambler that's where she loses all her money and uh it just felt just like that you know he's just you know hanging out to bridge club telling uh, the other ladies or Mahjong or something <laughs> like that, that he, oh yeah, she's a gambler. But, um, you know, I want to say quickly about the, the introductions because talking about the original house on Haunted Hill, they had to do this huge thing about them all being related or something and some craziness with that, that um, this movie didn't do any of that and it didn't need it. And it kind of makes me wonder why when Hollywood movies are, when they remake these old movies, why they need to put all of that other stuff in like why it can't be as simple as this thing you know what i mean i said the same thing i was watching rob zombies halloween last night and i said exactly the same thing because we're about an hour into the movie before anything before we catch up to the beginning of the carpenter halloween and i'm like i like that was all so necessary <laughs> let me tell you thank you for putting in all of that extra stuff that we really didn't need i mean it's just it's because the original film just jumps like it starts where it starts and then you know you move on you don't need to know any any of the backstory you don't it doesn't you don't require it and it's just you know, I'm I'm noticing like, oh my God, how much do we have left in this movie? Because it's just now getting started. I mean, really, and I don't know why they feel the need to flesh things out. And there's a there's a thing today where when people remake films, they feel the need to explain everything. And I don't I don't really think everything requires an explanation. You know, we don't need it. Yeah, it's the generation. It's the generation thing. Back then, <clears throat> simplicity, uh, you know, was the thing. Uh, you didn't have to have any explanation of why anyone's doing anything. And now, it seems, oh, we're at a different level now. So this has to be intri intricate. It's got to be interesting. And you got to know every facet of what led to here. Otherwise, you won't like it, maybe. You know, like, why Why is that? Who said I won't like it? Just give me a good movie. You know, it's, right. yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy, the approach that... Uh, people have these days to movies but real quick to get back to the intros my favorite um one is when they're in the they're showing everybody in the car and they go to the doctor and i even as a kid i actually believed what they said he was like he was describing the doctor and goes but don't you see a touch of greed around the eyes and mouth and you and i actually do when he says that oh. do you think that was 
do you think you see it because they tell you to, or do you think you see it like the the actor actually? I, I don't know who that. to credit that to. Um, <laughs> he just does look like a greedy guy. Who I can totally see it too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I just uh, looking at him, and then you get that impression from him throughout. Um, and so I think they nailed it. I'm not really sure though whether. I'm not really sure whether I go in feeling that and and then looking for that in him because they told me to, or you know because the actor just sells it, or maybe the actor is greedy and it just comes off naturally. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, what did he say? He said something because he was he was supposed to be Mr. Sophisticated Doctor, and he was like for the most part he was very like Mr. Sophisticated, but he said something that was like very American accent to um to Lance. I, I wish I could remember what it was, like, uh, did you something or did you do something? And we were just like, oh, there he is, Mr. Mister Doctor. And uh, the other thing with the Doctor was Jen's like, uh, he's going to either suggest a sedative for uh, for Carol's <laughs> character. He's either going to try to give her one or he's actually going to inject it, like he's going to do it against her will. Um, and we find out, of course, later that they're, the whole purpose of him not administering the sedative was that they needed her to uh, try to kill or her to accidentally kill uh, Vincent Price's character, um, but it was funny. It, like, we could see it coming, you know. We see enough of these movies. They they kept talking about the hysteria, um, which led to some Def Leppard album jokes by me. But um, we knew <laughs> we knew the hysteria was going to lead to uh, the sedative, and of course, you know. And then I made a few jokes about Lance also wanting the doctor to administer a sedative so he could maybe uh, make his move. But um, yeah, the doctor was a great character, and I think you could kind of, you know, it was hard to tell uh, going into it if he was going to play the role that he did um, of being potentially the uh, the one of the co-conspirators, you know, if you will. Yeah, I think um, that all you know. What I find interesting about this is that it's a pretty much a perfect cross section of every. I mean, each one of those characters is representative of who they are. Um, even like the with Nora and her running about screaming, and then Lance with his just his very you know male. Uh, I'm in charge of this kind of thing. You know, like, okay, for instance, the scene where he tells her, he goes into her room, and she's freaking out, and then he's like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to find a way out of here. I'm going to get help. And she's like, okay, I'm going with you. And he's like, no, you stay here. You're safer here than anywhere else, because if they find out you're alive, then, you know, it's, it's going to be bad. So you're safer here than anywhere else. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, like hell. And I turn to Brian. I'm like, in this situation, if you try to leave me behind, I am whipping your ass. <laughs> I'm not staying here. And he's like, but you're the girl. You're safer where you are. And I'm like, yeah, but it was, so it was very a product of its time. You know, and then she's like, okay, well, if you say I'm safer here, then I'll be safer here. Whereas today, um, I don't know any woman who would just be like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, Lance's feeling was he put a lot of work into getting her into that bedroom, and he wasn't just going to let her... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's funny, because thinking about him being a pilot, I've completely turned him into uh, Quagmire from Family Guy, and uh, I didn't even think about the fact that he's also a pilot, too, so I guess that kind of makes sense. <laughs> we didn't hear any giggities, but maybe there were some that we didn't catch. I don't know. He's going to flip a couple of buttons, and then like a bar is going to pop down in her bedroom, and... I'm going to start hearing scent. There's going to be a circular bed. 
Yeah, he was very um, he was very manly. I keep saying that, but that's the only thing I can think of when I picture his character. Is just he was just very manly, you know, and she was very uh, vulnerable. I think that's probably a good way to describe her. She was vulnerable. Yeah, which, you know, you want that, of course, and your heroine is vulnerable. And I was trying to remember who played her part, if there was someone playing her part. And I'm trying to remember, too, if Tay Diggs was technically Lance's part or if somebody else played that part. Um, I <laughs> think <don't> Tay Diggs, <laughs> I know. But, um, well, I don't, Alex, do you remember? I don't even remember. Apart from Jeffrey Rush, I don't remember anyone who was in the remake. Yeah, Famke Jansen. Oh, that. Was she? Because I knew she. I knew she was in. Wasn't she in the haunting too? I don't know, but I think she was definitely here. Okay. And and there's some blonde girl. Who who seems famous to me, but I don't I don't really remember. Uh, what she was in, but I think a girl who was sort of like on the up uprise of her career, but it actually never went anywhere really. That I <laughs> that I know of. <laughs> Yeah, I have no clear memory of any of those people. The blonde was the girl who played Billy Madison's girlfriend, um, if you remember that one. Oh, um, Brittany yeah, something. Um, shoot, she was. Uh, what is her name? She was also in uh, Dungeons and Dragons, I think, or Mortal Kombat. One of those. Um, Brid, Brid, Bridget something. Bridget, Bridget or Brittany? Brittany or Bridget? Right. There's. You Bridget. Know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, whatever happened to her? Um, uh, she married Pete Sampras, I believe, and maybe started having kids. Um, that oh, yeah, that happens did. sometimes, you know, Mr. P <laughs> Mr. Sampras. Yeah, there we go. There's Famke Jansen. There's Tay Diggs, Jeffrey Rush. Um, who else we got here? Peter Gallagher. Oh, Peter, Mr. Eyebrows himself. I was about, that's exactly what I was about to say, oh, Mr. Eyebrows. The blonde, I think, was Allie Larder, actually, as opposed to... Um, as opposed to, That's but funny but, when he's because when and Alex originally said the the blonde who's who was kind of big at the time, Allie Larder was the first person that popped into my head, and okay. I have no memory of her being in that movie, but that's the first actress that I thought of when he said that. Mm -hmm. well, who played Elisha Cook's character? Um, the uh, you know the oh, what was his name? The purr. The, the, ah, Chris Kattan. Chris Kattan played that part. Watson really? Pritchett. Yeah, he's listed as Watson Pritchett. I don't see a you know, Lance in here at all. A, There's no Lance. Another, um, he was a big character actor, and I always love seeing him. He always plays a great little nervous man, which is which, which is perfect for this film. Um, but he was also the real estate guy in Rosemary's Baby who sold them the apartment in the beginning, and he's walking them around the apartment, telling them all, you know, like, oh, well, we 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 can – I have the right to show this apartment. We can move this, and I can show it to you, that guy. And he was been he was in a lot of like westerns and stuff uh, back in the day, but he was a great little character actor. He always had a great screen presence. I think. I want to say when he was younger, um, when he was much younger, he was in um, the Maltese Falcon, I believe. Um, Elisha Cook. Uh, let me um, now. I'm now I'm like IMDb in it, but he, I'm pretty sure he was in the yeah the Maltese Falcon. He was the one who was um who. Uh, what's his face was giving him a hard time, like uh, <laughs> he said. Uh, he tried to get the drop on uh, on Humphrey Bogart's character, and Humphrey Bogart said something to him, something to the effect of, uh, "That's how people lose teeth, or you lose teeth that way, kid." And um, you know, he kept messing with him the whole time, and he's you know, like, "You know, you keep funding me, man, and I'm gonna do this or that to you." You know, he was trying to be like the the young tough, and of course, uh, 
you know, eventually uh, Humphrey Bogart had to deal with him. So, uh, yeah, he, he, I think that that was like 1941, so he was, you know, he started a while back at that time. Yeah, I mean, I've seen stuff where he was young, but interestingly, every time I think of him, uh, Cook, I mean, every time I think of him, I picture him looking exactly the same. You know, and it's like once he reached this point, like he didn't really seem to age. He always looked the same, you know, and um, but he always was really nervous. He was like a little guy. He was kind of diminutive, I think. And um, of course, anyone next to Vincent Price was going to be a little guy. But um, that's just he's always just like a little like a little rat, very nervous and rat like. But I love it because he's terrified. Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, he was like, oh my god. And, and yeah, um, I mean, thinking of him. Like, oh, uh, on IMDb they said his last role was an episode of Alf. So that's how he went out was an episode of Alf in 1988. But uh, yeah, so that was his last role. But you know, you needed that character. The the horror film back then needed the Elisha Cook character, where he. Um, you know he's kind of a uh, you know a little little um, like you said diminutive, a um, little creepy, but he's always warning people. He's a little bit a little bit iffy. You know we don't want him walking around with that knife. You know put the knife down, killer, um, kind of thing. And then it kind of came a joke later on because he was drinking so much. Like Jen and I would joke whenever he's his character would walk in the room, we'd be like, okay, the sherry's back there, you know. Or uh, um, <laughs> Lance had a bottle, and I was like, oh, uh, I just managed to wrestle this away from Pritchard, and I was able to bring this up for us, you know. So. Um, at that point, he kind of just became a drunk, but he was still a lot of fun. And yeah, between him and, and Vincent Price, you know, you had a lot of great moments there. No, I, I love those moments, and because <clears throat> it's weird, Vincent Price treated him like a kook in the beginning, and then sort of gave him some like validity. He's like, "Well, why don't you show us around the house?" And it's like, "So, uh, isn't this where this happened?" Yeah, that's right. Right here, <laughs> a strangler. And this is every uh, someone died in every room in this house, you know. Like, like he's sort of like you know, he was he was a legit kind of guy. He got some respect, but at the same time, he knew he was a you know nut job. And it's weird because I wonder why they treated him like that. Like he was just uh, not you know uh, a, a reliable source or whatever. Because you know the house was haunted. I mean, a lot of people did die in there, and supposedly he spent the night and was almost killed. And that's the interesting thing because. Even if you go on the premise that this house, I guess, is not haunted. Yeah, people did die there, but we already have explanations. The heads were put there for this person. We have no idea why a lady was gliding across the floor, but uh, we we know the doctor and the lady were in on this other thing, and he was the hand and, the, and this and that. But what's the explanation for why Pritchard, or whatever his name is, how he was almost dead in the morning when he spent the night there a couple of years ago? Like, well, what is there really ghosts there? I, like, I don't even understand. It, I think the impression I get of him is that he is so terrified of this place that as soon as he said it, like in the opening of the film when he was talking about how when he spent the night there and when they found him the next morning he was almost dead, I get the impression that he was just on the verge of killing himself. Not like physically killing himself, but he was so terrified that he probably could have dropped from fear, you know, just – uh maybe just on the verge of a heart attack even just because he was just he let it get to him that much I mean, because one of the people that had died in the house was his brother so it was very close to home 
for him. And, you know, you start thinking about if you're in a situation like that and you're all alone and it's uh, creepy because that house is pretty creepy. Um, and then it has a history. You know, I can imagine that I would probably be huddled in a corner <laughs> somewhere by the time they found me in the morning uh, just because you let your imagination uh, take you away. So I, I think he just sort of fed into his own fears and I don't know that I don't I necessarily think anything really happened. He probably just imagined a lot of it happening and then freaked himself out. But your impression of him was so dead on uh, when you were mm. talking, that um, it's like, I don't know, you recently watched Rosemary's Baby. When Guy did an impression of him, that's exactly what you sounded like. When Guy was like, and then this is the, and this is the second half of the unit and the partition was here. And then they, mm. um, and that's immediately what I thought of because your impression and his impression were the same, and that's funny. Yeah, it's like it's it's like people who imitate Elvis all do it wrong the same way. <laughs> or know? Christopher Walken. Everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I loved I loved every character. There was I mean, there was almost no throwaway characters. Uh, if you had to do one, I suppose it's the old lady who got the blood on her hand. I mean, she probably had the least impact, I'd say, out of everybody uh, here. Yeah, she was the the Shakespeare connection for the film. Is that what we were? Maybe that's what it was. We needed to have a little, uh, a l you know, it, maybe they thought the Hamlet aspect of it wasn't enough, and so if that's what we could call that with the the plot to kill the husband. But yeah, I think uh, they they wanted to show their chops. The writer was like, oh, you know, I I read Shakespeare, I can do a little Macbeth in here. I'll, I'll, I'll hit you know. And, and that was yeah, it. She's muttering under her breath every time she's wiping off her hand. She's muttering, out, damn spot, out. <laughs> exactly. She was really integral to the film because she had to she had to be the one to stand under the blood spots all the time. <laughs> That's right, the chocolate syrup. She needed it to, to <laughs> she we needed somebody to have the chocolate syrup trips. But you know, it's interesting, yeah, because um, you know, she's there and I I think, you know, one thing I think about the modern horror film that this film does, you know, that this film doesn't need, and and I don't think any necessarily modern horror film needs, is that uh, she bites it in a modern horror film. You cannot be that character and survive till the end, and we we joke about that, in fact, don't we? We joke that you know this character always dies or this character always dies, and um, so it, it in in that sense, there's a level of predictability in a modern horror film that we don't get from a movie like this because you know. She can survive. The gambling woman with the the blood or chocolate syrup on her hands, she can survive. And Mr. Pritchett, he can survive, you know, whereas in the new house on Haunted Hill, you know, Chris Kattan's got to die in a horrible way. And um, what's her name? Uh, you know, whoever played the equivalent to that character also had to bite it. So, um, you know, I think that's the thing is that in the movies back then, they didn't need to kill everybody off. You just needed to kill a few people. And, uh, and that's plenty for us and just have a skeleton walk around. And um, that's that you know, which was fantastic. <laughs> that that skeleton puppet moment was the, the jive walk. <laughs> was <laughs> where his hands are going back and forth like he's uh, one of those guys in the bar and weird science. Yeah, yes. that's awesome. And then like, what is she? He like puts his hand on to like kind of like give advice, and that's how he shoves her into the the pit of acid. It's like she just kind of puts the hand on the shoulder, like let me give you a little advice. You know, here it's okay. Everything's gonna be all right. Boom, yeah. in you go. <laughs> He was dancing a little jig on the way up to her. He's just, <laughs> that was so great. You know, and Brian told me his mom saw this film uh, when it was released. 
originally and she said that it was terrifying like when she and she's a horror fan like she watches horror now like present day stuff and uh, she said that when she went to see it in the theater it was really really scary and i love that i love that they had such a, a real impact back then you know i i think when i was watching it i was trying to imagine being in a movie theater um because that's one of the things is you know watching it at home watching it on the computer or whatever um you lose a little of the impact and i think some of the things like the um the housekeeper who we think is a ghost or a witch and of course we none of us have seen psycho yet in 1959 if we're watching it uh in the theater um so you know you see that and you're just like whoa you know i mean that would just boom that would hit you i think um and i think other aspects like that um seeing the dead uh, the woman hanging there things like that um i think they'd have more impact in the theater and and so in that sense, I think it would be scarier. Also, the skeleton it it looks it looks kind of funny, but I think also knowing that she's going to get shoved in the the, the acid thing, um, that might be enough, you know, to freak you out. Especially if you're a, a younger woman or younger man watching it in '59. I think I would have been a little bit like, oh God, I don't want to go in the vat of acid, you know. Well, either he was going to shove her in, or she just was going to voluntarily sort of hop in because <laughs> she just walked right up to it. And yes, she did. She, she almost tripped. She's like, okay, I'm good, but I'm going to stay right here. And then just continue to scream in your face. And then uh, whatever <laughs> happens, happens, I guess. And then she <laughs> was willing to just do that. <laughs> I don't know. Why Why not run to a different corner? Like, oh, oh, Jesus Christ, acid right behind me? Okay, hold on. Okay, and then move somewhere else. No, she, she's all good. She's like, I'm set. I just almost fell, but I'm good. Well, the, the puppet strings. I was thinking the same thing when I'm when she's backing up and she's right on the edge of the acid vat and he's still coming and she's just screaming and I'm like why don't you just step three feet to the side, you know run around it, go out of the you know run around the thing. What are you doing? <laughs> and no, she's right. like I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna fall in. That's good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, it's clearly not an aggressive skeleton. It has no <laughs> skills of really entrapment. Like no, I, he's just dancing. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, Do you think the, the strings may have corralled her? Like that's, you know, she. <laughs> we didn't know that, but she was like, I can't go there. I'm going to trip over that clothesline or maybe, I don't know. And how was Vincent Price projecting his voice? What was he using? A ventriloquism. Yes. <laughs> an echo effect? Yes. My third wife Fair taught me. Yes. You, you didn't know that my third wife taught me how to be a great ventriloquist. Oh, Nora, it's time, Nora. <laughs> you killed me, but guess what? <laughs> you wanted arsenic on the rocks? Time to take a bath, honey. Uh, it's not that funny anymore, eh? Yeah, that's just, that's just funny. But what do you guys think of, you know, the whole thing is House on Haunted Hill. What do you, What's your opinion of this actual house? Because... Even growing up, I admit I never dug the look of this place. Like it looked like, like uh, I don't even know, like some kind of, uh, you know, like an institution. Yeah, yeah. This, you mean the outside? Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, a, know, like a Vegas like resort, it. maybe like a yeah, Vegas I mean, resort it's, casino. It's what I was hoping before we see the outside, you know, you have this picture of well, I guess you see it like pretty much straight off but like going into it like you have this picture of the of a haunted house like what you what you think of when you think of a haunted house or something mansion like and it just it's very institutional you know and it's very a lot of a lot of really rigid 90 degree angles you know and I guess it was you know 
uh, modern architecture at the time. I don't know, but I never really cared for it. Yeah, I like I, the inside. Yeah, that drawing for the outside, that was my what I told Jen. I, it looked like some kind of a, you know, Vegas casino resort, like Caesar's Palace type thing or something, or like, you know, the Luxor or something. Um, you know, and I think that's what's interesting. A lot of times when you get those things, you get the, the, the matte painting drawing, and, um, you know, who knows how that worked? Who knows if maybe they used a painting from another film? Um, and we may never know what that film was because it may have been much more obscure, um, you know, but uh, or, or it may have been a film that never made it uh, onto the screen, and they were just like, ah, let's use it for this horror film with Vincent Price. Um, but you're right, it never seemed to fit. It didn't. There's no way to figure out where people were in relation to that haunted house from the outside. Yeah, and that's true. I never could quite get a grasp on. Now we 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 become very intimate with the hallway and the stairwell where the body was hanging, and then where the some of the rooms are, like where Nora's room was, and 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 Vincent Price's and his wife's room. We we get an idea about that but i could never quite get a handle on the layout of the entire house because from the outside it's very expansive i mean it's huge and but they only ever seem to really be in certain places on the inside <laughs> and like well, what's going on in the rest of the house did you not because there's a lot of house there's a, a lot uh, that or at least appeared to me to be a lot of house and i don't feel like we get to see all of that of course this was a william castle production and um He's cheap, so <laughs> so I guess they you know they they did with what they had. Um, and now, does anybody know if there was anything? Um, because you know William Castle was very gimmicky, and so like he would have you sign your death certificate when you walked in, or he would do like for the Tingler, he made the seats buzz and things like that. Were there was there anything for this movie? Well, let's see what I feel the like old... I should know, but. Um, I can't recall. It might just be one where you had to sign like your death certificate or he could have had, cause he would do things like have an ambulance on site with nurses on site to, um, in case anyone passed out or, you know, had a heart attack during the, the, mm -hmm. the, during the viewing of the film, which of course, I mean, you watch this now and you can't really picture that happening. <laughs> I have an answer but... to your question. I just Ooh, went to uh, yeah. Was... Now before we get to this answer, the the trivia above it is that um, of course we, you know we recognize some of the things from Psycho. He actually Hitchcock used a lot of this uh, film in making Psycho. He was uh, inspired by this, um, and he said this led him to create his own le low budget horror film, Psycho, of course, which is uh, you know one of the top films of the 20th century. Um, but, and one of Alex's favorite movies. Yeah, I, one of my favorites, too. I've always loved that one. But here's the answer to your question. He used a gimmick called Emergo, or Emergo in theaters. Uh -huh. When the skeleton rises from the vat of acid in the film, a lighted plastic skeleton on a wire appeared from a black box next to the screen to swoop over the heads of the audience. The skeleton would then be pulled back into the box as the skeleton in the film is reeled in. Uh, many theaters soon stopped using this effect because when the local boys heard about it, they would bring slingshots to the theater. And uh, when the skeleton started its journey, they would pull out their slingshots. Um, uh, also, they could use BBs, uh, anything they would find, they would shoot at them. So, uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, that's funny. But that's what I'm talking about. That's the William Castle I love right there. Is uh, There was always a gimmick. And uh, but I wish we had that sort of thing today. I wish that there was a way to do that for the mass market now where people would like I'm always thinking of like the beginning of Scream 2 where everyone's in the theater. They've got their prop 
costumes and knives and stuff and everybody's going nuts in the theater and you know i wish we had experiences like that where you could really be involved in it and i guess really the closest thing is like if you go to like see a bug's life at at animal kingdom or something where it's, <laughs> they'll, they'll squirt some water at you or um or you know whatever but it's uh i love that interactive experience and I think that by doing that, when people, it was a very clever marketing thing, you know, because people would go in and they're like, oh man, I have to sign my death certificate. This is going to be really scary. I mean, so they're hyping themselves up before they even get into the movie. So they're already anticipating that it's going to be really scary because, you know, of all they had to go through to get in it. And I think that's really, really clever. You know, if people would, if it was a possible to take the time and the money to do something like that now, then we some of the, maybe some of the more mediocre films that we go to now wouldn't seem quite so mediocre in the process. Yeah, it seems like now instead what you get is uh, things like Partners Hub sending emails out to us bloggers and podcasters trying to get us to uh, buzz market big budget films for free instead of, uh, like you said, these really cool interactive features that really uh, you know add to that aspect of uh, of the film and. I think part of it is maybe the big budget nature of movies in general now. Um, you know, it's I, I don't know. Like you know, let's let's get the biggest 3D thing and see what we can do. Um, and it would be a lot of fun. For example, if they had a film, um, maybe like the new Purge or whatever they're going to make the next sequel of. If um, <coughs> excuse me, if you had some sort of a um, you know, like you said, you sign your death certificate. Or remember they used to have the 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 vomit bags. Um, and people mm-hmm. would collect those. I mean, how cool would that be to get your own vomit bag for the movie, you know? Or like um, even as early as late as John Waters, uh, when there was a film that he – I don't remember if it was Pink Flamingos or one of his films that he released. He, he had lobby cards when you walked in because it was filmed in Smell-O-Vision. And you would, at at particular times in the film, you would scratch off little pieces of your lobby card and it would smell like, I mean, horrible things. It would smell like dog poo or whatever was on the screen at the time. And I mean, it was, so it was not a pleasant experience, but it still, it still heightened it and it sort of, uh, that sort of harkened back to the old William Castle stuff, which I love. Incidentally, um, and yet another Rosemary's Baby connection here, not only was Elisha Cook in both films, but William Castle was a producer on Rosemary's Baby and wanted to direct it, and they said no, <laughs> and I think rightfully so, because as much as I love William Castle, I can't imagine um, a William Castle version of Rosemary's Baby, because it just would not have had the same uh, the same effect, I don't think, so that, we, that was kind of a close call there, but um, uh, he wanted to, so there was, and there's a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of integration going on, you know, a lot of relatable things. He was in the movie, by the way, though. I, mean, I know we're not talking about Rosemary's Maybe We never stay on topic. The the the, um, the guy, when Rosemary is in the phone booth making the phone call to the doctor, uh, trying to – when she's figured out this whole plot and she's trying to call her old doctor, the old man that comes walking up to attempt to use the phone booth is William Castle, who is the person who directed this film. And so there, there we go. go. Just a little unimportant tidbit that nobody gives a damn about. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's cool. Now, I actually just kind of read myself about the house that we were talking about being horrible, me saying that maybe it was a matte painting or something. Uh, it's the Enos Brown house that was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright in 1924. Um, that was used for the exterior shots, um, which kind of makes sense because it's um, 
If you notice that the drive up there, there was a sidewalk and a railing that um, it made me think maybe they were driving to some sort of historical place. And I guess this is listed um, um, on the register of historic places. So uh, he just, you know, I guess the free place that he could go and shoot a house, he decided to go there. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, he could stand out in the street and shoot all he wanted um, for for free. So, you know, and that's a that's a a very low budget thing to do so why not although i never really cared for the exterior but no none of us it didn't work for any of us but um well we just crossed the uh the nine o'clock threshold so uh why don't we say like what do we think uh, i think we've all kind of our our our, our thoughts or our recommendations are pretty unanimous right that this is a, a definite go it's a definite plus right for sure yeah, I mean, if you've never seen this one, God forbid if you've only ever seen the original, I mean, the remake. Um, but if you've never seen this, check it out. I mean, I, I am a firm believer that, and I say it all the time, that uh, it's important to know where we come from and in order to understand where we've ended up. And so I think it's really important for uh, to have a base in the classics, you know, and they're classics for a reason. You know, and if for no other reason than Vincent Price alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but before we, I didn't know we we're going to wrap it up. One more thing, if I could just mention one thing that just baffles me about this. <laughs> so this girl, Nora, you know, she's, she starts walking around, I guess, after the, the window incident. And, she, you know, she screams down that hallway, running out. She goes down the stairs, sees the lady hanging again, screams, sees the piano. The hand goes to grab her, screams. Five, three or four minutes later, <clears throat> the uh, doctor comes to Vincent Price's door and he's like, uh, hey, uh, there's either someone else in here or blah, blah, blah. And he goes, because uh, did you hear something? He goes, yeah, I heard an organ playing. Yeah, me too. And footsteps. Footsteps? You heard footsteps. <laughs> but not that shrill screaming but that not... she's been doing the entire time. Right. Like, how could this line not be revived like nobody i i just don't even understand actually it's funny brian pointed out the same thing yeah you don't hear that you heard footsteps but both of you the screaming escaped both of you yeah it was like a elephant in the room cut yeah you could hear that screaming down the street yeah like maybe neither of them wanted to admit they heard it because the whole thing was that like the doctor and the wife were using nora to be the killer and Vincent Price knew they were doing that, so maybe nobody wanted to admit that they heard her screaming, and it was kind of like a, a goofy thing. But I think you're right. I think it was more like uh, they added the scream scene after and realized that that line came after that part, and they like, oh, maybe we should have mentioned the scream part, but they didn't. See, because I would think it was odd. If I was either one of those characters, I would think it was odd that the other one didn't hear it. You know, So if, like, if they purposely don't mention it, I'd be like, huh. You know, so I would be then automatically suspicious of one or the other, you know. But yeah, that was a, that was a, like, they're right, and she's right there, running (laughs) past all their rooms, screaming her head off, right there at the stairs, screaming her head off, you know, when the hand reached, screaming her head off again, and like, you know, yeah, I heard an organ playing. What? (laughs) (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks for letting me get that last bit in. Um, As for the, for the movie, yeah, I mean, you know, sadly enough, I didn't revisit it for a while now and i don't know why you know i'm just busy with the show and just things i have to watch things like that lots of tv shows try to 
trying to catch up on. So, you know, I, I really, I guess I just haven't revisited for no specific reason. But uh, today, you know, I did for the show, and I got I got way into it again, man. I think it still holds up if you just uh, focus and get into it. Um, <clears throat> it's strong throughout. It's a great atmosphere. I love the inside of that house. Uh, the characters are all solid. Uh, story moves along. I mean, you know, some things are questionable, but it's, you know, 1958 or 9, whatever you said. So, uh, you know, on an, an enjoyment level, like a Netflix rating, I, I give this like a 4.5 out of 5. Like, I really liked it to loved it. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I wanted to say, too, about Netflix is that, um, you know, this movie has a lot of bad uh, versions out there as far as, like, quality of the, the, the film and the DVD or the VHS. Um, I actually read that on IMDb, why that is. I guess the, the film, the copyright lapse, so anybody can put it out there that, that wants to. But this Netflix copy is good. This Netflix instant version is good. It's good quality, so you don't have to worry about getting a bad quality of this, too. So I think it's a, a really great platform to be able to check this out. And uh, like you said, it's, uh, like you both said, it's, you know, it's good to know where you came from. And, you know, Jen saw some, um, you know, classic Netflix reviewer who said, this movie was crap compared to the remake. Don't oh listen to God. them. Don't listen to them. Get in there and watch this. You're what? going to love this. We actually, um, yeah, I, I could never find a good format for this movie, but I believe it was just released on Blu-ray recently. It's in a, a Vincent Price, like, 10-pack or something like that. Oh, oh was it one cool. of the, was it Scream Factory that did mm-hmm. the two recent uh, Vincent Price collections? Yep. Yeah. So I didn't, they didn't send me the screener for that one, unfortunately. They don't really send them if they're, like, the big things. They just send me, like, the single movies or whatever, but... So I didn't get that, and I'm not going to pay eighty dollars for the whole collection either. So, but yeah, but if you don't, you know, the Netflix one, I think it it does the trick, which is it's a good deal. But yeah, Blu-ray, I think you know, especially if you're a horror completist, um, you know, it's something to consider because this is this is as good, uh, you know, this is a, a great one. It's it's definitely one of the greats. Yeah, and I think it really does have some genuinely creepy moments. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, I, I can I can't imagine people being terrified of it these days like they would have been back then. However, there are a few moments that will like the woman, the the um, the caretaker woman that got me, you know, I mean, she's just suddenly right there in your face. And that's a pretty scary looking face. So, you know, I think it works on a lot of levels. Excellent. Yeah. Well, why don't we um, we got a little bit of timeless. Why don't we wrap up here with uh, our usual what have you got going on uh, segment? I might as well get mine out of the way because mine is a whole lot of nothing. Um, I've been meaning to get a <laughs> review up about um, uh, Killing Season, hopefully soon. Um, I, it, what happens is with my job is when the end of the month comes, it's just like a rush to get grades in, to pile as many classes in as I can uh, to get that end of the month check. Um, so I just, I've, I've lapsed, but I'm going to try to get back on that. So, um, so that's for sure. Uh, Jamie, what have you got? I know uh, last night you had uh, the Insomniacs playlist. Yeah, it was there. It was the Halloween episode, and I it was it's about two and a half hours. Um, I posted the Dropbox link on my Facebook and on Twitter, so um, I urge everyone to check it out. I played a whole lot of everything. It was I hit just about every genre. Um, I even had a country song in there, and things like you know things that you expect like 
um, Monster Mash and Ghostbusters, some Elvira songs, but I had some metal in there. I mean, a little bit of something for everybody. And it was all about uh, celebrating Halloween. So that was a good time. And let's see, of course, there's the this Friday on Halloween, our 100th episode of Skeleton Crew will be dropping. Uh, currently on Devour, we're about to record our Friday 5 show. Um, but uh, Friday 3 and 4, those two episodes have been released now, so they're, they're available for listening. And what else do we do? Oh, and Evil Episodes, uh, we always do our usual TV wrapping up. I did just recently, and it came out today, uh, on Horophilia, there's a not-so-evil episodes uh, episode that that uh, Brian and I both guested on where we talked about our very first memorable horror experience and the movie that uh, sort of inducted us as horror fans. And there were four of us discussing. And, and it's really interesting to hear at what time period each person came in because it, it was varied and how your approach to horror then uh, went on from that. So that was a fun show. And... Uh, I guess that's about it. Cool. Yeah, uh, I got. Uh, we just released on Skeleton Crew top, heart top ten horror movies. Uh, the three of us gave our top ten favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, that shows, and you can find everything I'm going to say on theskeletoncrew.net. And um, <clears throat> on Banana Laser, we did a. Um, we have a show coming out tomorrow called uh, it well it's the name i don't really know what it's gonna be called but it's it's uh the wnfu halloween special i think that's what it's called wnuf yeah we did a whole review (laughs) on i can't get any name right apparently we did a a whole review on that and we talked about the origins of halloween and just fun stuff like that we have a few skits in there uh like jamie's head halloween night uh we're releasing skeleton crew 100 it's a it's a gigantic eight hour show epic epic gigantic it's the best of clips specials like everything you can imagine um and uh we just released a halloween five commentary uh about uh two days ago so you could all that stuff is brand new and you could check it out at the skeletoncrew.net and i also um i'm glad you mentioned banana laser because this came out i think it was today um or was it yesterday the I think it was today. The commentary, I, I joined the Banana Laser guys to do a commentary on the movie Hacko Lantern, which is not very good, but I think the commentary will be a lot of fun. <laughs> but the movie's not not, not so hot. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I would urge everyone to check that out, and that's at horrorphilia.com. Perfect. Well, maybe we ought to uh, we'll wrap things up now because uh, just be- we've had a really good run here with Mixler for the nat- past like uh, 45 <laughs> minutes, but maybe we don't want to push our luck. But uh, I want to uh, thank you, Alex, for coming on the show today. It was great to meet you and great to have you on. Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot, man. It was a really good time. Good, good choice of movies, and uh, thanks for thinking of me. Definitely. We'll have to have you on again sometime. Uh, yep. Again, as always, thank you, Jamie, for... Uh, First, for introducing me to Alex, and uh, also for uh, another great show. Oh, I had a blast as always, and as soon as you mentioned this as our Halloween selection, uh, Alex is the first person that popped into my mind, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I'm glad you mentioned that, because I, I know I, 
I was like, what should we do for Halloween? And then when I saw this was on Instant, I said, why not go for it? Let's give it a try. You know, I mean, it, we know it's not going to be bad, and I think that's that's what's important sometimes with a, a Halloween episode or a special like that. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it would work out. I mean, if you love Halloween and you love uh, classic horror movies, this is the uh, this is the show to listen to. Yes, but yeah, it, it, a, a film like that is definitely it's going to be the one. It's you know, it's going to be up there as, as one of the best ones. All right, and I want to thank Brian for you know uh, Jamie's <laughs> bow for. His technical support. For his technical support, <laughs> his eyes on the or ears on the ground for us tonight, letting us know uh, how we were doing as far as the technical stuff. So thank you for that, Brian. And uh, a quick shout out to Jen. I love you, baby. And uh, I'll be in the room there in a few minutes. So <laughs> I'll see you in a little bit. But uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I Again, sorry about the technical problems. You just never know, I guess, with Mixler. But we had a good run for a few weeks there. So maybe we just we needed one, one bad one there to just kind of, uh, uh, you know, my fault. Keep us on our toes. Keep us on our toes. I don't know if it was your fault. It was Vincent Price's <laughs> fault. You know, he didn't want us talking about this. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's like, hey. Yes. But I want to thank everyone for listening, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week on the Direct Video Connoisseur. So have a great night, everyone. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Had a long week and want to mix it up with something new and interesting to eat? Try Blue Apron's two or four serving menu plans with those hard to find ingredients sure to spice up your weekend. With 60 plus options each week, you can choose from an ever changing mix of high quality meat, fish, vegetarian, WW recommended, and wellness offerings. Order now and get $110 off across your first five orders when you visit blueapron.com/unique.